0: Petticoat Rule, a program about musical productivity examined through the storytelling lens of women in the music industry. I'm your host, Erica Lang, and let me introduce producer Tara Molesworth. Hello. And our guest today is Avi Diamond. Hey. is a Pittsburgh-based standalone artist, a singer-songwriter, a jazz songstress, and a mixer and melder of influences. Her sometimes piano-driven music, combined with her strong feminine presence, evokes comparisons to artists like Fiona Apple, yet the sounds are distinctly her own. Smooth and intriguing, with relatable lyrics and a clever sense of humor, her songs have been part of raw natural born artists and featured on the WYEP Local 913. She is actually professionally trained, holding a degree in music from Duquesne University, where she specialized in music therapy with a focus on jazz voice. Today with Avi, I hope to explore her experiences with dedicating her collegiate time to specializing in music, how she feels that impacts her career, and especially I want to learn about music therapy, how it's done, and how it helps people. But first, let's get down to basics. Avi Diamond, that's your real name. It is. <laughs> it's like the coolest real name, like, you're destined for doing what you're doing. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Avi is a nickname for Avi Guile, as we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um but, yeah, I just wanted to make it easy for everyone to pronounce, and I kind of like the gender-neutral vibe of Avi, because that mm. could be a girl or a boy's name. Yeah, totally. Actually, I hadn't really thought about that, So, but that's yeah. true. And Diamond is my real last name. I mean, when my family uh, came to the United States, whatever, my great-grandparents, their last name was Rukovsky and it was changed to Diamond, Wow, that's really different. That's not even like one of those ones where it's, it's not sort of like it and they just no. drop the sign or whatever. Just, I think they wanted to be successful, so they picked something glamorous. They picked a whole there. new name. Where did they come from? Um, oh, my God. I'm going to end up embarrassing myself. Oh, okay. family history. Um, quiz. So my that would be my dad's side, which was Russian and Polish, mm-hmm. Eastern European. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And they wanted to change their name to be successful because they felt it was... Uh, I mean, I don't know. This is is like me rehashing a story that was told to me when I was like 10. Sure. Yeah. I think... The family legends. Maybe they thought if it sounded more American, like they would have an easier time finding work or something. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And... I mean, this is a weird time to start with right away, actually, but like how you just said you like how Avi is kind of a gender neutral Mm -hmm. term. Do you think that that is a choice because it also leads to possible enhanced success or like because, you know, men, maybe Mm -hmm. if they think if people think you're a man for a second, then Uh you get an extra leg up or um, or is it more of just like you don't like the binary Thing. yeah, that's interesting that you said that because that makes me think of j k. Rowling because oh, yeah, that's totally. why she chose j k instead of her real name. yeah, um, it's good her last name's not lolling. Sorry, that's that's like the worst joke I've ever made in my whole life. I still laugh. JK (laughs) lolling. Oh my god, I I didn't even get how great that was until just, okay. No, it's actually the worst joke. That's actually wonderful. (laughs) And you should tweet that at her or something. Um, uh, Oh my god. Anyway, I just derailed everything with that terrible, terrible joke. Anyway, Um, so. But no, it's more about like the second, or the thing you said about uh, not being a huge fan of gender roles and the binary. And mm. like, I don't know. I just like when things are up to interpretation, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or like, um, I, you know, I've spoken with, I guess it's the same as JK Rowling, but like a, a writer is a great example where you can have a gender neutral name and people might not ever know because mm-hmm. they don't dig around. But when you sing, the instant you open your mouth, you're like definitely like powerhouse woman. Yes. Yeah, I you're like so. she says yes. <laughs> you can't see it because you're on the radio, but she said yes in a very powerfully seductive way. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um the things you miss without video, you know. So, how did you start with music? Did you always kind of know that music was a place you were going to go? Are your parents musicians? Um mm. Okay, I need to think about how I answer this because I'm going to get shit from my mom if I don't answer it the right (laughs) way. Um, So my dad is a rabbi, so he sings a lot, like, when he's doing prayers with Uh his congregation. So I wouldn't say he's a musician, but he is musical in his own way. Um, And my mom was um, an actress when she was younger, so she has some experience with musical theater and singing Godspell and stuff like that. Um, But... Neither of them were professional musicians per se, mm-hmm. so uh, it was not something that I grew up knowing that I wanted to do. It was a later, semi-later-in-life discovery. How how much later in life? Um, Like age 17, 18. Hmm. So right around when you would have to make a choice about where you're going to yeah. go spend your time. Exactly. Um, I actually went to Kappa in high school. Oh, did you? But for literary arts. Oh. So I really switched gears. I mean, I... That's creative writing? Yes. Okay. So I liked writing and I still enjoy it, but um, I don't know. I would always be kind of amazed at the idea of a practice room because they do have music majors at Kappa. And I remember for my final project, I chose uh, making a CD Mm -hmm. and... My teacher kept complaining cuz it didn't have enough of a writing component. I mean, I wrote the lyrics, but a lot of it was music and it was just irritating me and I would go hide in the practice rooms and be like, "This is great. Like, this is a place that's just devoted to making music." That's mm-hmm. crazy. So, mm-hmm. um that that year became very clear to me. Like, I really wanted to be doing music. So, you must have already been playing instruments. Um yeah, I took piano lessons from like age 8 to I don't know, like 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. on piano. Yeah. So did you say that? Sorry. Yes. I met my brain. Piano on piano, piano on piano. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. And when you made this CD, it was all original music. Yeah. I did like 17 original songs or something. Maybe like three of which were decent. (laughs) (laughs) So to do 17 original songs that then later now you say three were decent. Did you at that time, were you like, having so much fun you didn't evaluate yourself or like what was your self-doubt like then in comparison to you know avi now as the trained musician i mean i didn't have a lot of confidence in myself as a musician but since it was the emphasis was on the writing i wasn't really as worried about the music part because it was Mm -hmm. like anything i did they were like oh my god because they're not musicians. Oh, I see. Right. So <laughs> yeah. you're like, it was impressive just because it was not writing. Yeah. It was a writing plus music and they weren't musicians. Yeah. Just the fact that I could like play piano and sing at the same time. They're like, uh-huh. what? How do you do that? <laughs> I mean, I would like to know because I'm not good at that. That sounds practice. Yeah, I know. Practice. Right. <laughs> and drive, though, because you obviously want, really wanted to yeah. be doing that. When did you first play a song on the piano and sing something with it oh god i don't know i feel like i've always been doing that because i would sometimes get bored of just playing piano and then Mm -hmm. i'd want to sing something over it yeah because piano lessons are usually at that age they're like really they're really not fun stuff right no i actually hated them at first it wasn't until i was like maybe 11 or 12 i actually got to study with a teacher who got me mm-hmm. a little bit better, and then that teacher started teaching me voice and piano together. Oh, really? So, really? and yeah. did that teacher did, is that did they just see some potential in you that way that or that you had an inclination, or was it just like they just you uh, you asked for it? How think, did it happen? I think I was specifically like my mom and I were looking for a teacher that could do both okay. because, um, yeah, it was just something I, I was interested in both. So do you remember, like, the first song you ever wrote? Sort of. (laughs) I mean, my earlier stuff was, like, really, really angsty, and I think the first song I wrote was called Changes or something. Yeah. Teenage stuff. Yeah. Teenage poetry stuff. I'm sure it's in a pile of paper somewhere, but I don't remember exactly how it went. (laughs) I love it. I I that's like the such a universal experience of a teenagerhood, right? Is like yeah. writing these types of feelings and things, but it's also so earnest at the same time. hmm Yeah, it comes from a very real, intense place. Yeah, it's such an intense period of emotions. It's yeah. insane. <laughs> Actually, a couple songs off my first album were adapted from that like high school CD final project. Uh-huh. Really? So some of those songs are from high school, from wow. my first album. Cool. Yeah. The secret. Are they secret? Which ones they are? Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was... Uh... Oh, gosh. No. See, I feel so old now because I can't remember anything. <laughs> I bet you I'm at least 10 years older than you. Probably. But I just, like... <laughs> I just it I doesn't get any better. I'm an old soul. <laughs> you are an old soul, definitely. I have a bad memory, so. So, when you play live, do you have like a group of people you always play with or is it like you recruit per gig? Uh, it depends, but I've gone through like maybe three generations of bands (laughs) because people move and people get too busy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm on like Gen 3 right now. I see. But my my Gen 3 people are fairly consistent. Yeah. But you uh, bill yourself as Avi Diamond. Yes. Well, it's all my music. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how how much of... So if you have all these different musicians you play your music, how Mm -hmm. much of the different parts do you write? Um... It's an interesting question. I mean, for certain songs, I will create a specific part. But for sometimes like, you know, I always write the chords and I always like create the feel and the lyrics and all that stuff. But like, sometimes I just sort of tell them what vibe I'm going for, and then they create that. But that could change if I played with someone else. Mm -hmm. So I don't like usually write out specific parts and arrange them right i usually just say like oh i want this to sound like this or if they play something i don't like i'll be like no can you make it a little bit more like this because i don't Mm -hmm. really i don't play drums i don't play bass um i have an idea of what sounds good but um i'm more specific with my piano and guitar parts because i actually do play those instruments when did you start playing guitar I started playing guitar at age 20. I um. So you were already in. Were you? Did you go straight from Kappa into Duquesne? No, actually, my first year I went to Columbia College in Chicago, and then uh, community college for a semester, and then Duquesne. Okay. Um. So I was like a year older than everyone else in my class. Mm-hmm. Um. But, yeah they as a part of the music therapy program there's a guitar for a music therapist class mm-hmm. and that kind of forced me to start playing guitar I see so so from your music therapy focus mm-hmm. in that major that's where it went into guitar yeah because literally like we had to learn it was a requirement of our program yeah I was really resistant at first because it's hard <laughs> to when you start out you're not instantly good at it no you have to with like your fingers hurt, and mm-hmm. there's, like, all this grip stuff, and your wrist is weird. and Yeah, and it just has a completely different feeling than playing piano. And, and I was just really not into it at first because I think when you get older and you're playing an instrument, you just – your ego gets in the way, and you're like, I don't want to do this. This sounds terrible. And, <laughs> like, you just want it to sound good right away, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, no, And then you think, why didn't I start this when I was – I know. Um, So, but do you prefer keys over guitar now? Um, No, actually. No, I prefer guitar because, well, I like both, but I've been playing more guitar because I just, I find finger picking really relaxing and Mm -hmm. I just like, I don't know, I've just been writing on guitar Mm -hmm. for the past year, pretty Mm -hmm. much. Yeah. Yeah. It opens up like different, it's just because the approach of the instrument is different. I think it winds up. Le- leading to different songs that you would write. Yeah. Because you structure them differently. Okay. So let's get into your experience at Duquesne because now you're talking about how you communicate with your bandmates and everything. Mm-hmm. To be able to do that uh, to that level, you have to probably have some of the jargon and lexicon mm-hmm. um, to be able to effectively do that with really skilled musicians and right. make it work and make it work fast and easy. So... I am guessing that you picked up a lot of that at school. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all of it, because I had some music theory background from playing piano, but it really I really had to play catch up when I got to college Mm -hmm. um, because I really didn't know all the foundations of music theory or ear training or all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, that really gave me a stronger foundation in that. Were you nervous to go to the audition? Yeah. Actually, I didn't get in the first time. Really? Because Duquesne is very classically focused, and I was always more of a jazz person. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the first time I tried out, I didn't get in. I didn't know enough about ear training or theory, and I didn't know how to sing opera at all. <laughs> is that part of the audition? Opera yeah. singing? Well, like, you have to sing a classical piece, which involves uh, operatic. Opera te- opera, <laughs> operatic technique. There Can you go. Can you do it now? Oh, my God. Please don't make me. <laughs> we want you to oh, do it. I can try. But again, it's not my specialty. Well, what would be the difference? I'll just do it. I'll oh, just do it.
1: Lasciate
0: mi morire. Awesome. OK, so what would be the jazzy version of that? Like the natural native La <laughs> <obvi>? Lasciate. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I like that better a lot. <laughs> that just feels just, like 10 times more natural. Also, your whole being is more natural while you're doing it. Like, you were obviously instantly more into it. Yeah, I was just like, all right, now yeah. I am relax. <laughs> what do you think is behind that? Like, is there a structure, a thing you don't like about structure, or is it. it I don't um, know, what is it? They require different techniques, and you hold your body a different way with Glasgow. Um, I mean, when I was in school, I was, got a lot better at singing classical music Um, just because you have to learn yeah. as a part of the program, which I think is good because that gives you a stronger foundation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, But, yeah, with classical, there's more vibrato. Like, it takes a lot more uh, core strength. Mm-hmm. So- but do you think you as a person, like, prefer not to have that structure or or whatever? Well, there's still a specific technique for jazz, but... I like, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Jazz has so much more improvisation involved and it is a lot more free in its form. Mm-hmm. Just so, to get that self-expression element. Yeah. So I do prefer that. Yeah. Which, you know, if you're drawn to things like creative writing and stuff like that, then those kind of dovetail together mm-hmm. in a way. Um, okay. So you went to the audition. You are nervous. You did it twice. Yeah. You didn't get in and then you waited how long between Um, the first time and the next time? What did you do? Did you strengthen your skills? How did you get there? I trained with a classical teacher at Duquesne that semester and I went to CCAC and got a couple of gen eds out of the way. Um, But I still want to know more about this experience because, (laughs) because I think a lot of people really want to do music I think there's all different kinds of people who want to do music but some people they want to get even more into it and they don't really know how and they look sure. at music school and they say okay cool and then you see the price, and you're like oh my god and then you know you think you look at the audition you're like oh how will I ever and um and it, it's sort of in a way like you could get some of that knowledge on your own but it seems so like great it just seems mm-hmm. so great to go and just like immerse yourself yeah. in it Um, so I think just for like listeners who like might be curious about what the experience is like and, and, you know, if it's worth it and everything like that. I mean, for someone who has natural ability, but doesn't have necessarily like the theory or the ear training or the classical background, like, yeah, if if you're able to, it would, it's good to train with someone who has that background. Um, Do you get a specific person that you are a mentor, a mentor for you the whole time? Yeah, um, it wasn't the person who prepared me for the program because I wanted to study with someone who was a jazz person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but actually, the teacher I studied with, Patty Donahue, and it, originally, she introduced me to Maureen Budway, mm-hmm. who, like, she's, like, she was, like, my musical mom. Yeah? So is she a jazz person? She was. She actually passed away yeah. a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she was, like, if you look her up, she was a pretty big deal in the Pittsburgh jazz scene and yeah but she could do every style like classical jazz gospel you name it like she was amazing Wow, yeah that's a sad loss yeah so she was your specific mentor so you get like i had weekly voice lessons with her for like four years wow that's incredible Mm -hmm. maybe it is worth it That's really awesome. It was worth it to study with her. I mean, I learned a lot there, but like she was the highlight for sure. Uh Uh-huh. And then what are the other classes like? Like you take Um, lessons from a person every week like that, and then you're doing ear training and you're doing theory. Like what mm -hmm. what are the other classes like? So there's like different levels of musicianship. So some of that's theory, some of that's ear training. Um, And for those who don't know what ear training is, it's basically Sometimes it's dictation where they'll like play a note and you have to identify it with your ear, which is crazy. And I'm still not that good at it. (laughs) That is really, really definitely hard. Um, And just things like that, that involve you being really like like identifying intervals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was that? Oh, God. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm all about quizzing you today. Damn it. That's going to bother me. I'm under too much pressure to think of it right now. I guess it was a fourth. Fourth, <laughs> <laughs> You got it. You win. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, um, I try, I like interval training and stuff is, is interesting to me. And uh, yeah, fourth is a weird one, actually, that I feel, I feel like that's a harder one to throw at someone. Yeah. The perfect, thirds and fifths are like in pr- seconds. So easy. The you perfect know? ones are just like, I don't know. The fourths always sound like fifths to me. Yeah. They both have that weird open vibe. Yeah. Right. And it's, and they are kind of like near each other. Right. I mean, they obviously, they're near each other four and five, but um, (laughs) I'm talking in my like ear space right now. You know, it's like when it's, you know, there's like a mathematical thing where if people can automatically count objects that are like one, two, three and Mm -hmm. four And then once it gets to be in the five, six, sevens, they start to be like, there's some stuff there. Not (laughs) like there's four pens there. There's like some pens, you know, and they don't auto, you have to like sit and like think about it for a second. And like the more there are, the more it's like that. So anyway, so, so things that are closer in interval, I mean, I just think math is very involved in uh, in music. And that was never my strong suit. So I did... I don't know. I did better with other aspects of things, but I did learn because I had to. Do you think your ear, how do you think about your ear? Do you think it was good going in or not so good going in, got better? I thought it was good going in, but then I was up against all these people who were incredible at identifying notes and intervals and chords and Mm -hmm. I had to step up my game. Yeah. I think my ear's gotten a lot better over the years. Wow. So is your um, cohort at a music school like Duquesne is it mostly people who are who are young like were you mostly around people your own age or were there all different kinds of age people because I feel like people come to music you know yeah. whenever they come to music and um it was mostly other students my age but there were definitely a couple of people doing post back like when I first started the music therapy program there were at least two students that were um, post back students so That means they already have a degree in something else. Yeah. And they just came back to get their music therapy certification. I see. Which I think only took them like a year or two if they already had a music degree or something related. Would I be a real weirdo if I went at 38? No. No? No. (laughs) can't do that. No, it's too expensive for real. It's so expensive. It is really expensive. And like, I think maybe if you were like able to get federal loans and stuff when you're, like, younger. Like, mm-hmm. maybe that makes, like, you know, at college age is one thing. But, like, now I'm like, they're not going to no <laughs> gonna pay me any money to go do that. Yeah. <laughs> I had a scholarship, thankfully. Oh, so yeah. That helped. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, And, yeah, that would really help. Yeah. I don't know. I would love to, though, like, if I could just, like, take a couple of years off and really, really, really just do that, I mean, I totally would. Yeah. So, if anyone yeah. wants to donate money to me for that, <laughs> I would gladly take it. Um I know how to wash dishes. No, it's a lie. My boyfriend would be like, "No, she doesn't." <laughs> um So, uh the music therapy degree, like how did you decide to do that? Um that's actually really funny. So, I so I was at school at um Columbia. Uh-huh and columbia college not columbia university people always are like why would you leave that school Mm. it's a different one um and i was looking at duquesne because both of my so i studied with that piano voice teacher and through him he referred me to carolyn pertit who i studied jazz voice with my senior year of high school Mm -hmm. and they both went to duquesne so i was like they're both amazing." I want to study with who they studied with. So that's kind of what led me to Duquesne. And then I was looking at the different degrees and I'm like, well, I don't want to do performance because that's not practical. Yeah. And I don't want to do... Not that music therapy is really that practical, honestly. Uh Um, And then I I was like, well, music ed, like, I don't want to be a teacher. That's never appealed to me. I'm really bad at explaining things. Uh (laughs) Um, And then I saw music therapy, which I'd never heard of before. But I was like, that sounds really cool. Like, I've always liked psychology. I've always liked music. Maybe I'll try that. And then if I don't like it, I'll just switch majors to something else. So Uh it was really just because I wanted to go to Duquesne and that just sounded like the coolest major. Yeah. And then I loved it. Yeah. So So how much of psychology is involved? Um, A fair amount. I mean, there's a lot of classes that are just straight up like music therapy and disability or like music therapy and, uh, oh gosh, it's been a while, music therapy and guitar, music therapy and whatever, you know. Mm Mm-hmm um there's psychology too also do they make you take spice like psychology only courses or is it all like in the context of the music no it's both i did a psych minor so i think i took like four or five psych classes Mm -hmm. throughout my time there i see so are the programs like interleaved at all or is it more like because duquesne has all these other departments and stuff you can you just i definitely spent most of my time in the music school So that's who I interacted with the most. Um, But I, yeah, I mean, there were a couple of site classes where I would have to leave the cave Mm -hmm. (laughs) because all the music classes were in one building. So I felt like I didn't know that many people in other parts of campus. Yeah. So help me make this tangible. Like, what does it mean to receive music therapy? Why would... They groom us so well to answer this question. (laughs) So, music therapy can take a lot of different forms depending on what population you're working with. Um, But generally, it's providing therapeutic music services as a board certified music therapist, which means you went through like a four year program and then a one year or six to eight month uh, internship in music therapy. And um, wow, that was really long winded. And then, (laughs) as that person, very specific. Well, I they, feel like you're good trained at explaining me. this so far. <laughs> as that person with those certifications, um, you provide music with the goal of providing therapy. So rather than like an educator whose goal is to help you become a stronger musician or learn certain skills, like music therapy is using music as a therapeutic medium. Mm-hmm. So what does – what what would happen? Well, Say I came in for a music therapy session with you. Okay. Well, what what are you working on, first of all? What do you mean, like in my life? In, well, let's say you had a music therapy session. What would you need help with? Sorry, well, just why would I? Personal. So, yes, no, no, no. It's good. It's good. This is what I like. I want to understand, like, yeah. why would I come to you for this? Um. Well, okay. In my experience, I've mainly worked with kids with uh, special needs. Uh huh. Um. So, for example, let's say I have a child with autism who's working on social skills. Mm-hmm. So. their goal might be um, increasing positive social interaction with other children. So I could do a group with like one or two other children and um, use music to try to facilitate positive interaction. Hmm. So I might say like, okay, so-and-so, let's just pick a random name, Evan, Mm -hmm. you're going to share this uh, drum with Jimmy or like, Or it comes up more naturally than that. Like, oh, pass the drum to Jimmy or something. Uh And you sing it? Maybe. Because sometimes that's more effective than just saying it. Uh Because it becomes fun for them and not just like, you do this now. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I don't know if that made any sense. It makes some sense. Yeah. (laughs) But it also gives me insight into like the, it sounds like the cases that it's a very flexible thing too oh yeah like there's no like maybe they taught you some general techniques or something but it sounds like there's a lot of creative on the fly figuring out how to like read your client or patient or whatever yeah and then see what do they where are they at and what do they need and how do i yeah. get them into the same mind space and there's different approaches to it just like there's different approaches to psychology so like my internship was very improvisational, mm-hmm. which was great because obviously that's my thing, as I was saying before. So, like, we would be in a room with a child, like, with a piano and no plan. Yeah. And just like kind of accompanying their movements because almost all of my clients were nonverbal. Mm. So, like, we completely used music to communicate. Oh, wow. So, let's say the child like hit. A symbol or something like I might crash on the piano. And then that kind of connects gets their attention. Yeah. And we're able to have this relationship that they might not have been possible otherwise.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that experience that you just described, uh, sorry, I, I missed what you said. Is that like part of an internship? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just threw that in there. Um, So, yeah, as I said before, like part of the music therapy program is you do like a six to eight month internship. Mm -hmm. So I did mine up in the Catskill Mountains. This is actually a great segue because (laughs) I wrote a lot of my second album while I was up there. Ah. Um, And I was at this amazing facility called the Center for Discovery. Uh And they have multiple campuses in a rural area where um, they provide school and therapeutic services and medical services to uh, kids with special needs from, wow. like, like maybe four or five through um, some of their clients are older adults. So, wow. yeah. Wow. It's really amazing. So you spent how long there? I was there for eight months. Eight months? Yeah. Wow. So you really, like, immersed yourself yeah. in it and worked it. It was, like, One of my favorite experiences ever. (laughs) And then when you emerged from that, were you still in school or was that after you had gotten your degree? So it's crazy. So you go to graduation with everyone else before the internship and they give you like a fake diploma <laughs> yeah and then you give it back to them oh <laughs> and then after the, after the internship you actually graduate mm-hmm. um and they send you your diploma in the mail but without the pomp and circumstance <laughs> yeah, yeah but it's i just didn't bother going to actual graduation because it was like i'd already had the experience with my actual class yeah 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 but it's really weird for music therapy majors hmm hmm So do all of you guys that go to this institute or are there like different places different people go? There's different ones all over the country. Mm -hmm. It just has to be certified through the American Music Therapy Association, Mm -hmm. AMTA. AMTA. I was totally thinking about that. What is the acronym? Um, Same as the American Massage Therapy Association or whatever that's called. Cool. So do you also give good massages? Uh, they're okay. <laughs> they're, they're not professionally trained massages. Professionally but... trained massages, <laughs> pretty cool ones. Um, cool. So, so when you finished with that, then like, how? What is? What is it that you do now? If you m- don't mind saying, I don't mind saying. Um, I'm kind of in transition right now with my job. Um, I work for Wesley Family Services as a behavioral health worker which Mm -hmm. like that could be anything yeah Um, but essentially what i've been doing for the past like eight or nine months is um i've been stationed at lincoln school providing like in-class support uh coordinating services and doing in-home visits Mm -hmm. for children and families who are students at lincoln that require Uh, mental health support Mm -hmm. so that's been very intense and wonderful I'm sure crazy all at once yeah and your degree in music therapy helped you get that job I guess so I (laughs) mean it's somewhat related (laughs) Do you ever do any music therapy with the kids that you are assigned? Every once in a while. There's just so much going on at the school. It's like hard to find a moment to Mm -hmm. do it, but I have done it a couple times. And actually, um, right before I came here, I was doing a home visit, and I ended up doing a tiny bit of music therapy with the family. Really? With the whole family? Yeah. That's cool. So that was really fun. And How did that work? Left on a good note. Um. (laughs) it Sorry, <laughs> I didn't even I'm, mean to do that i'm <laughs> Look the at worst that. no please go on um well <laughs> uh the parent asked if i could play some piano because i didn't know they had an upright piano yeah. and i said sure why not and the kids came over and they started i encouraged them to take solos on the piano and really uh and that was part of my training and my internship to be able to like accompany children so to sort of make whatever they're doing sound good Uh Um, and they were loving it it was super cute we played you are my sunshine everyone knows that song every age group yeah so they were just like dancing around and playing the piano with me and it was a really nice bonding experience with me and the family yeah that's so special i mean i'm sure it's so intense because of the nature of the work and it must be so hard to do sometimes but moments like that sound like they make oh, it worth yeah. it absolutely so yeah but i'm actually um transitioning to another school right okay, now. okay i was just going to ask you said transition right. so like what's the new direction Still kind of figuring out, but I will be at a Wesley Family Services school in Upper St. Clair at least for the month of January. I see. So, so still at the same company, yes. but going to a different um, location. Yeah, I'm trying to move to part time so I can. I'm actually in a master's program right now. How are you? Because I can never have free time. That would be crazy. <laughs> no, what would you do? <laughs> Just more stuff. Yeah. Right? You know, so I, this is what I'm like, like, as soon as I have a free minute, I'm like, why don't I start a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what is your master's that you're working on? Clinical mental health counseling at IUP. Oh, cool. So you're like continuing in this, um, mental like connections mm-hmm. and helping people, um, live a more. Fulfilled life, I guess is how. It, yeah, it could and be music good. therapy. So I want to have a private practice one day, mm-hmm. um, and I could totally use music therapy with that. I'm I'm certified now, so like that yeah. doesn't go away. Well, I guess it could if I don't get my continuing ed credits in, which is a problem. But <laughs> I see. I'm supposed to keep working on that. Yeah. Where do you get continuing ed cre- credits? Oh, God, I don't want to think about this right now. Well, <laughs> you get a pass if you want. Um, I want to ask you uh, about the piece that you brought today. In this song that you brought, it's from Wolfmother. Okay. And, uh, man, I sort of forgot to talk about women things, too. So I have a couple questions. So it's from Wolfmother. And on, as long as we're here, on Wolfmother, also on that album, is a song called Under the Ice. Yes. And... I liked that song. Thank you. I um, One of the lyrics in it we were kind of talking about, I think it's sort of a theme, is um, paying attention to your instincts or, like, not paying attention to your instincts. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a big theme be. in the EP. In yeah. the whole EP. Yeah. So I just wonder, like, people are always like intuition. Women are intuitive and all this kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> but I feel like, like <laughs> you, I related to that lyric because I'm also like, Why do I like never pay attention to my intuition on stuff? (laughs) Something I hear a lot is that I have very impressive self-awareness, but self-awareness doesn't mean much if you're not doing anything with it. Right. And I feel like I'm often very aware that I'm doing something that isn't good for me and I'll just keep doing it anyway until I can't take it anymore. Uh (laughs) Yeah. And then what happens? And then I get all sad, and I'm like, why is my life like this? And I'm like, oh, wait, I need to just, like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Got to take responsibility for my stuff. That's kind of what that line is about, like, should I listen to my instincts? Like, everything was telling me that that relationship that I talked about in that song was Mm -hmm. so bad for me, and I just ignored Mm -hmm. my instincts. Yeah. And, you know, I journaled my whole life. I've journaled, but Mm -hmm. there have been periods where I stopped journaling usually cuz like i'm in a relationship or something and i'm uh, mm. thinking about it but not anymore now i journal all the way it's all the time but um but it used to be like like every time i go back and look at my journal the last entry was like the last cute guy i thought i was in love with and then <laughs> be like oh he's so great and then the next one would be like after we broke up, and I'd be like, I lost myself again. You know, oh why did I lose myself? And I'll never lose myself again. And then, then like the next, and she's like, Oh, this new boy, or whatever. You know, and it's like a cyclical thing. And I look back, I'm like, Oh my god! Like I just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's it's so hard. And like it's like I know my brain totally knows. <laughs> it writes it down. I also have a pension. That I write the first entry about the whatever the person is. I write what's going to happen and then it happens and then I'm surprised mm-hmm. I'm all surprised later. I've definitely done things like that before. <laughs> it's really funny though cuz like like the relationship that was mentioned in the first song like yeah. I can go – that was, like, a nearly seven-year relationship. And I oh, can wow. go back through all my journals during that time, and it's like, oh, my God, the issues I was talking about in, like, the first couple of months of the relationship are th- like the same shit I was talking about in every journal over the years. Like, yeah. why did I just put myself through that over and over again? And, like, that's something you learn about um, as a therapist, you know, patterns. Yeah. And we have to keep going through these patterns until we're ready to stop. Until you're ready to stop and you're ready to learn the lesson or whatever. Yeah, or like take action and catch yourself in the moment like, uh uh-oh, this person kind of reminds me of that person who did this to me. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a good idea. Yeah. So do you feel like doing the therapy degree or learning about therapy in the degree like helps you in your personal life in that way? Yeah, I think this master's program is amazing because it just really – forces you to kind of reevaluate everything. And I mean, literally, part of the program is we do these, I mean, I don't want to call them mock counseling sessions because they really are real, but um, they're with our classmates. Mm -hmm. So we film ourselves counseling our classmates and have to watch them all the way through and analyze them. Oh, And that is amazing because I can see. Yeah. I mean, well, at first it's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. But you kind of get used to it and you can really pull out patterns and you can see like, oh, this is something I talk about a lot or this is something that I don't highlight that I should. Uh And I just think watching video of yourself while kind of like self-involved seeming is like an amazing way to – Change unhealthy patterns or things that aren't serving you or serving the other person. Sure, that's really helped me, and it's helped me become a better listener too. I think. Wow, why can't everyone just do that as part of? I know, just like film yourself all the time, and then (laughs) sit there and be like, "Oh shit, I shouldn't have done that," (laughs) but in in a good way, in a like productive way. Yeah, in a Mm self-constructive, yes, constructive criticism kind of way. So that's really interesting. I'm going to ask you about that later. Yeah. Um, But this song, we were just talking about Under the Ice, this song that you brought... That we're gonna listen to today is Wolfbrook Forest. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Mm-hmm. And so, tell tell us, did you write this in the Catskill Mountains? I did <laughs> on a guitar. I, yes, actually, I wrote this song after that, but it was inspired by my time there. I oh, was, I see. I was back in Pittsburgh, and I was feeling really nostalgic for the mountains. It's a special place for me. Uh, my parents actually have a cabin cabin up there, so I still get to go like a couple cool. times a year. Yeah. Um. But anyway, there was this place that my really good friend from the internship and I would go to on the weekends when it was nice out and it was called like the Wolfbrook Multiple Use Area. Yeah, <laughs> Which, very not not yeah. a very fantastical name Perfect, there. perfect rhythmic <laughs> <laughs> name. Municipal um, facility. Yeah. So I changed that a little bit, but I love Wolfbrook. I, I like, I mean, obviously I like the imagery of wolves. It's very present in yeah. this album. Um, but yeah, like we would just go there to de-stress from the week and hike. And sometimes we'd swim in the creek mm-hmm. and it was just beautiful and a special place. Um and then why do uh, wolves resonate with you? The person that this EP this is a different person uh-huh. than I was talking about under the ice, but the, the person that is associated with this with the wolf mother um, their like spirit animal is a wolf. Uh-huh. So I think that's kind of the significance there cuz a lot of the songs are um inspired by her or like our experiences together. So Um, yeah, she's a wolf mother. I see. (laughs) And you're the wolf cub. No. You're the wolf sister. Sister would be weird. (laughs) (laughs) You're the wolf lady friend. Yeah, I guess so. I don't really know what I am in that situation. (laughs) Well, so the cover has a couple of wolves around you, a drawing of you. Yeah. And so maybe you're not a wolf at all. Maybe not. I didn't think You're about the what human I was, companion. and that just shows my patterns in relationships. It's like I'm so focused <laughs> on the other person. I don't even there know what we I got, got down to it. There it is. Self awareness. <laughs> You're like um, Mowgli in, in <laughs> the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm Mowgli. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh well. Yeah. I mean, I was just back in Pittsburgh, feeling like kind of lost and like. You know, just struggling with the transition from, like, living in the woods to living in the city. and Yeah, that's hard. kind of moving back to, like, all the issues that I left behind there oh, in the unfinished yeah. business. Mm. So uh, that was a hard Those adjustment. things don't go away just because you don't. went somewhere. Yeah. It was just like I got to run away from everything when I was gone for eight months and yeah. then I came back. It enhances like, oh. the serenity of the forest even yes. further. And it was just such a supportive environment. I mean, like, I was surrounded by therapists, like, every day. So... (laughs) Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, my supervisors were therapists. My roommates were therapists. Like, Uh it was great. So everyone wants to talk about feelings and wants to listen about feelings. Yeah, and then I move home and everyone's like, so, like, what are you doing with your life? And I'm like, I don't know. Listen to my problems. Yeah, they don't want to. So. Yeah, so you start writing <laughs> songs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. See, I get myself so off topic, but but anyway, the the big theme of the song is just finding solace and comfort in in the woods. So even when I moved back to Pittsburgh, I would like go to Frick Park mm-hmm. and. Just walk around by myself and breathe in the air. and Nature is therapy. Yeah. Oh, yes. I remember exactly when I started writing it now. Yeah? I was working at JNR Summer Camp in Monroeville. Uh-huh. And um, we would have, like, a lot of breaks throughout the day. So since I was the music teacher there, I would, like, bring my guitar every day. So one day I just took my guitar into the woods because the woods were, like, right next to the building I was in. Uh-huh. And I... Started writing it when I was in the woods. Wow. So. I just remember that. <laughs> so what's, what happened first, the, the guitar chords or, like, the melody? Mm. Well, my process is usually writing lyrics and music at the same time. But in this case, I definitely wrote um, the picking pattern first. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's neat. So it's a little different than usual for you. Yeah. And on this recording, are you doing the finger picking? actually bryce Rabido played guitar for this recording um but typically when i play it live it's me mm-hmm. i just want it to be extra perfect for the recording i feel you <laughs> yeah i feel you on that and you do a lot of solo performances or no Mm -mm. I usually have bass and drums with me, Uh and then I'll play guitar, piano, or both. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Or uke sometimes. So talented. Okay, cool. So let's listen to it.
1: There's no one I can trust
0: So great. Thank you. I loved it. I uh I have so many different things I loved about it. But one thing, for example, is how you have a nice pregnant pause, if you will, um before you go into that more active part where you're saying like run to the Wolfbrook Forest. Mm-hmm. And about how you're safer there and everything, which kind of imparts, it's like a musical version of the feelingscape of like, all this stuff is going on. And then you're just like, I really need to just like get away and then going there. And like the active activity of that section being so, you know, like really like you're running. I love that you got that. (laughs) I, well, I really, I really like that. And I, I can relate to, to that sort of thing. Yeah, it's funny. Every time I play that live, that part's always like, one, two, three, four. Yeah. <laughs> it's always filled up. But, like, I want, for the recording, I mean, we said that because that's the only way to get that switch right. Uh-huh. Um, at least, I don't know, that's what we needed. But, yeah, I, I'm i happy you noticed that. Yeah, I think I think it's really great when you can use music as part of the language that way. So it's not all about the lyrics that give the content away. Mm-hmm. It's partially... How you structure the song, mm-hmm. totally. Especially with that empty pause, is really nice. And then I guess um, the other thing is, I think you must use a lot of metaphors, yeah, in your music, like yeah. the bear that gets that you let get too close and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like uh, I think someone I can't remember who said this, but someone told me recently that they feel like my music's become more specific and very obviously autobiographical when it used to be more using more symbolism and metaphor. So this song is like more symbolism and metaphor, I would say. But some of the new stuff I've been writing, it's just straight up like I'm sitting on the toilet and I'm angry. and Like it's just very. Do you actually have a sitting on the toilet song? I do. Wow, I can't wait to hear that It hasn't that been one. released yet. It's called that's, Hate Me. You're going to love it. <laughs> or maybe you'll hate it. I don't know. I'll I'll either hate it and love you or love you love it and hate you. I don't, I don't know. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna love it and I'm gonna love you. Great. Well, I already love you. So. oh yeah. Thanks, Erica. It's mutual. And um, I like <laughs> my dad used to always write songs that's that started with stuff like that. Like. I'm oh really? A, yeah. Like like um, I'm divorced now, but when I got engaged to my ex-husband, he wrote a song for us that started out with something like. Either it was something like about hitting someone upside the head with a frozen cod fish, Oh, my. <laughs> or it was the one where licking the bathroom walls. I can't remember which. There were two, there were a couple songs in that era oh, of his songwriting. I need to meet but your they, dad. But he they ended. Cool. But then the songs always went into this beautiful, sweet place. You know, it was just an yeah. entry point. Interesting. It was just an entry point. So he sometimes he did that with his songs, Not all of his songs are like that. But Th- this song I'm thinking of doesn't quite go to that beautiful, sweet place. But um... no, it just stays on the toilet. <laughs> Pretty much, but that's <laughs> where it needed to be. <laughs> it's good. Well, a lot of great thinking gets done on the toilet. Let's be real. It's true. So yeah, it's true. or in the bathroom in general. Yeah. So you know, it's a place where people get to take an actual rest. Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like it's bathrooms and airplanes. Like those are the places you actually are forced to take You're pause, forced to take a pause. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. a pause that many people are avoiding as much as possible. Did you know that, I swear I read an article once, like, you're more likely to cry when you watch a movie on an airplane because you're, like, so present and you're vulnerable and you're up in the air. I feel like I always share that with people, but I think that's so fascinating and true. I definitely cried during a movie on a plane before. I only saw, like, the very end of Marley and Me, and I sobbed. Really? I didn't even see, like, the context. I was just like, there's a dog. I definitely kind of like (laughs) crying on planes. Like, I'm sort of like a not-crier person, like, in public or around people or friends even, or even, like, my mom. Like, I just don't really – the waterworks don't really come out that much. So stoic, you know? But, like – there's a couple places I, I really like to cry. One mm-hmm. is in the shower because it's so hot, and all this, if the snot's coming out of your nose because you're crying so much, it's okay because it washes off right away, right? Mm-hmm. And it like de puffs your face right away because you're in the hot shower. It's perfect. Secret trick, by the way. Um, and another great place is in the car when you're by yourself. I was Everyone about to knows say that. that one. Yeah. My favorite place to cry is in the car. <laughs> It's a great place to cry because you can put your jams up high and cry even more. It's great. And then then another place I kind of like is the plane if I'm in the window seat and I can look (laughs) off to the side, you know, against the window and be like... Just have a real existential moment you're like yes. looking at the clouds and you're just like yes or the expansive blackness if it's night yeah. i mean you know and like the just like the unusual experience of being surrounded by people mm-hmm. while you're doing that it's just it's a special kind of moment for crying there's a lot of things that you get to do on a plane around people that you don't get to do around people normally like you get to sleep yeah. uh-huh you get to cry you get to like I don't, I don't know. Swarm like, bite because you need to go to the bathroom so badly. <laughs> Sometimes you throw up. Like I mean... Some people can throw up. Yeah. I'm so... I took this conversation really to a dark no, 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 no. place, but these no. things make me happy. So. This is... <laughs> typical crying on an airplane makes me happy well i mean it makes me happy too i mean it's it's nice that we share that experience for one thing it's cathartic Mm -hmm. and like you know you never see any of those people ever again i know so it's kind of like this freedom experience too like the anonymity of it i think is kind of yeah special i dare everyone to watch a sad movie on an airplane and see what happens yeah yeah I was almost crying. i say I did CPR training earlier before this. And there were these little movies of like, you know, things happening that you have to give CPR for. And I was like, everything that happened, I was like, oh, my God. Oh. And I was like, almost crying in the middle of this classroom. But then it would like immediately go away because then they would shoot to like a person doing fake CPR, and it would be like instead of the human that had just fallen there, it was like the fake human that you do the CPR on, you know, the doll. Uh So it was like immediately hilarious as soon as it was super sad. They'd be like a baby would like die on the table and be like, oh my god! And then like you would be seeing the guy do CPR, and it's like a fake baby. And you're like, well, now I'm laughing, and I feel really (laughs) weird. Like it's a conflicting thing is happening. Sounds very disconcerting. I... I uh, loved your song. I think it's great. And I think you have a beautiful voice. Thank you. And I'm glad you made a decision as a young woman to invest in it. And I think which is it something um I mean I guess you kind of already answered this question, something you recommend people Singing? to do. Singing or, or investing in their in in their talents in this way. Yeah. I mean what other way is there to self actualize yourself than to put time and love into your talents and things that feel good? Yeah. I mean, you sound like a very self actualizing person, actually. Self actually. Self actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I try to be. I think, yeah, I think I am. I am. I need to say things more confidently. That's something I've noticed in my counseling videos, actually. I was just going to say the video is that I feel like that's the kind of thing that the video would teach you is that whether you're self-effacing or you don't take credit for your own greatnesses. And maybe do you feel like that as a woman, too? Like sometimes there's like some. Yeah, I was just talking to some. I'm so glad we're talking about being a woman. I was really excited to talk about that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But uh, oh, my gosh. See, I always get myself off topic. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I feel like we are kind of expected as women to always be apologizing or like I don't know where that comes from but I do feel like I'm saying sorry all the time and I'm really trying to work on that yeah here's my trick I've been trying to instead of saying sorry I say thank you mm. I, like if it's like sorry I'm late instead I say instead I say thank you for your flexibility with my arrival time <laughs> oh, that's awesome. No, that's perfect. And it changes the dynamic of it and it changes the way that the other person perceives you, too, I think. So, and it makes me feel a lot less like a bad person, you know? Yeah, no, that's a great way to reframe that. Actually, at work, like we do this thing called labeled praise, that's considered an intervention for kids with behavior challenges. And it's like instead of just saying, like, I don't know, you focus on the kid's strength, and instead of saying, like, uh, Oh, like, I hate or it's bad when you um, shout out in class, like, you'll focus on a positive and you'll be very specific, like, oh, so-and-so, I love that you uh, gave so-and-so a compliment or, like, it's just really specific. That just made me think of that. Mm -hmm. So that would be a good skill to use in my life. Like, thank you for, I don't know, making time for me instead of saying like, sorry. Yeah. Like you said, like, sorry, I'm late. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I use it all the time that I I can detect that I'm about to say sorry for something that I shouldn't really be. Maybe being late, you should be sorry. But, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of examples. If you start to think about replacing sorry with thank you it can help a lot i actually wrote a song recently or semi recently called not sorry i wrote it over the summer Uh and um oh man my next album is super feminist like (laughs) yeah i'll have to send it to you guys when i actually record it it's not recorded or anything but um yeah there's a lot of role themes fem powered stuff going on there cool did you do you feel like you've become a lot more of a feminist recently I think I've always been one, but I'm a much more outspoken one now. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. When is your new album gonna be in the works, do you think? Um I'm hoping I'm gonna say like spring or summer. Yeah, cool. And you have a lot of female musicians that you work with. Yeah. Sometimes. Is that a conscious effort or is it just like the people who you happen to be surrounded by? I mean, I I really, I like working with people who I connect with. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. That's a good question. And it also depends on the project. Cause actually for my Avi Diamond project, it's the main people I've been working with right now are like just two guys. Um, but like, well, I work with this violin player who's a badass lady abby adams um but yeah like my project zam which is a and b soul trio like that is very consciously like we want everyone who plays with us to be female because mm-hmm. that's sort of the message of the group mm-hmm. it sort of feels like a pittsburgh spice girls or something <laughs> but um that's with my roommate molly Kavanaugh and uh zanetta grant who i don't live with but she's awesome uh-huh. and um yeah it's like I think vocalists, especially, tend to get really competitive with each other, especially women. And I just saw this as an opportunity to collaborate and lift each other up. And yeah. Molly and Zanette and I have always supported each other in that way. Like, we've all gotten each other gigs. We've all, like, promoted each other's stuff. And that energy is so awesome. Actually, Chloe's been she played Keys With You once before. Yeah. And once. actually, quick plug, we're all playing uh, First Friday at Mixtape in March. So, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so that project is all women. Um, but yeah, you know, like I always, I try to work with who I connect with. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yeah. you connect with women or whoever. <laughs> yeah. But in this particular, in that, in that case, and what's the name of that group again? It's called Zam. Zam, Z A M. Does that stand for something? Sonetta, Avi Molly. Oh, there you go. We made that before Chloe kind of joined the project. Yeah, is it now Zam or Kazam or? I think Zam-dash-y. we're just going to keep it Zam because it sounds good. But uh-huh. but we there's not, nothing against Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are the singers. Chloe just plays keys Chloe? with you. Chloe sings sometimes. Sing too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Love you, well, Chloe. well, I <laughs> am excited to check that out. And, um, and next time you're performing with your band as Avi Diamond. And um, people can find out about you. Do you have a website? Yes. Avi. I always forget. AviDiamond.com. All right. Easy to remember. Mm-hmm. AviDiamond.com. Well, it's been really, really fun talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I so appreciate it. And um, thanks for so diligently explaining all of that music. I asked you a lot of questions. Thanks for bearing with questions. me. And see, I just didn't say sorry for asking you too many questions. I said thank you for explaining everything. That was everything. so smooth. See, it's working. I didn't even mean to do that. But old me would have definitely said sorry for asking. Yeah. And I feel like I feel better. Because that was almost like a compliment being thanked. Yeah. See, this is the the power of self worth, guys. Hell yeah! It Changes everything, and I really like your insights about all the therapy stuff and and um and your experiences training in it and delivering it. So, thanks for explaining it. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, Good time. Great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Petticoat Rule, galvanizing women in musical creativity. The views and opinions expressed during the show are solely those of persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the producers. Subscribe and find more information and episodes at petticoatrule.net. Follow us on Facebook at Petticoat Rule and on Instagram and Twitter at Petticoat Rule FM. I like it. New loop.